Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and I want to begin by saying Merry Christmas to everyone out there, um, all three of you. <laughs> um, I do want to just do a quick, brief episode on, um, you know, what today means and represents to us that believe in the Lord, that really take this holiday, and, um, you know, was he born on the 25th? You know, where did this originate? There's a lot of history you can get into with, you know, this date and everything like that. But really, all of that is irrelevant and not important. What is important is that the point of the holiday is to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an absolutely amazing plan God had to send his only son to come to this earth, live a perfect life, and end up being the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. Today we're going to take a look at a few verses, one verse in particular, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, which kept, I attended um, Christmas Eve service yesterday with my beautiful bride-to-be and her family. It was a great experience, a great time. I absolutely love going to Christmas Eve service. It's just, again, just the celebration and just to be around the body of believers that all are in one accord, regardless of what is going on in our life. We take that time to just celebrate our ultimate future, our great hope that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's just such an amazing thing to do every year. As I get older, year by year, I enjoy it more and more, maybe because I'm getting closer and closer to seeing him, and, uh, you know, that's a good thing, but also because I guess year over year, the Lord just shows me more and more of himself, his faithfulness, his, his righteousness, his true loving, just nature, character, and ultimately his faithfulness, you know? God has always been there in my life for me in so many ways, on so many levels. He's been really my best friend, my father, my just everything over the course of my lifetime. And, um, you know, it's again, it's just a great time uh, to just take this day to celebrate his birth. Again, he did not, (laughs) the Lord stepped down from heaven and entered this world through the womb of Mary through immaculate conception the Holy Spirit it doesn't take much as the pastor in the service I attended yesterday said I mean look it doesn't take much to believe that the Holy Spirit could alter some DNA and impregnate Mary as he did and have that whole process begin to ultimately have today as we celebrate that birth occur and bring our savior into this world it's an amazing plan god is just mind-blowing year over year again as i get to know the lord and i really get to live in his ways know his ways his will know his word through his living word 
um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a more special event, I guess, every year as I, um, start to, as I really just understand truly and comprehend and ultimately live out just that, that reality that what God did for us is just amazing. You know, over 2000 years later, we're still here talking about it. Jesus is as real today to us who believe as he was to the disciples that he walked with back then. He sent his Holy Spirit like he said he would. He filled us with his Holy Spirit to this very day. He loves us. He wants to do nothing but guide us in life and show us who he is and show us our purpose, his purpose for our lives. And um, he's just amazing. I thank God, you know, in such a crazy world that we live in, it just seems oddly enough, as I can say, that I get to know the Lord and appreciate him more and more year over year. It seems like the world gets to be a crazier place year over year as well. You know, this has been another very tumultuous, very volatile, very unpredictable, very insecure world we live in. And it's just... You know, as man rebels against God and the days get darker and it's just going to get worse for them. But thankfully, again, like I said, we have a great hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have such security, not only in this life, but eternally, that we can look at the circumstances around us and understand that they are absolutely insane. (laughs) But at the same time, we can also have peace, we can have joy, we can have hope that one day the Lord, not only we will be with him if we leave this earth before he comes back, but ultimately we know just as he promised to enter this world the first time throughout the entire Old Testament and he became, he put on flesh and came out of Mary's womb again and entered this world in the form of 100% man and 100% God, he did promise to come back and return again. He entered this world the first time as the Lamb of God. He will return the second time as the Lion of Judah to judge the world for its wickedness. And as we can look around, the days of Noah are getting dark, but again, thankfully we have that great hope that our Lord and Savior will return for the second time. And it will just be an amazing, amazing experience for all that call on his name and truly have given themselves to him. It's no nothing we've done. We've simply responded to the call. We saw the light in the darkness and we walked towards the light. And God met us there. And from there, it's all him. It's just us being willing to follow him. So again, we're going to take a quick look at some verses. I don't want to take too long on this one. I just really felt, again, um, I've been, unfortunately, with the holidays, it's been pretty uh, hectic and busy for me personally, just getting, uh, you know, between the the, uh, shopping, as we all do as well as work, Um, you know, time off for me and my job means more work when when I'm not off. But hey, it's a blessing. God has blessed me with a great career, a great direction in life. And hey, if that's that's what I'm called to. So I'm I'm happy to do it and it's a pleasure. So in any case, I will now uh, get started with this 
special Christmas episode. So without any further ado, let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and the birth and entrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into this world. Okay, and like I said, we are going to begin, we're going to start to look in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and then we're going to move on to the four Gospels. We're going to look at the four accounts given by each one of the writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see what their um, take was, if you will, on the birth of our Lord into this world. So first, again... We're looking at Isaiah 9, 6, because again, like I said in the intro, I kept, you know, as um, I listened to a couple different uh, podcasts that I like to listen to, as well as went to Christmas Eve service, this verse in particular kept popping up for good reason. It's typically looked at, um, you know, around Christmas, around this time of year, but this year it just spoke to me differently and in a good way, you know, I mean, again, as I get older year over year and I just live one year more I just see God shows me himself in just more dynamic abundant ways that I can really just appreciate this verse in particular and some of the names that he's given and called and the reality of who Jesus Christ is truly really sets in and is made that much more um, apparent to me as I really just am blown away by who he is. So, all right, let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So let's look at the note for that verse, and we'll go from there. The fourfold name and attributes of the child, Messiah, who shall be born to reign forever upon the throne of David are given. Wonderful Counselor is likely one name that expresses his ability as a political guide and leader. He is the living word, the infallible source of guidance, the inexhaustible wisdom, the truth, and the way. On him will rest the government, the entitlement to rule. Mighty God, the child is God incarnate, the omnipotent one. The word translated mighty has the additional meaning of hero. The Lord is the infinite hero of his people, the divine warrior who has triumphed over sin and death. Everlasting Father expresses Christ's fatherly care. The name is not in conflict with that of the first person of the Trinity. Jesus said to Philip, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Everlasting can also mean everywhere present. He has the divine attributes of both eternity and omnipresence as he rules upon the throne of David and within the hearts of the redeemed. Prince of Peace. His reign will be characterized by shalom, health, well-being, prosperity, happiness, and cessation of enmity. The New Testament states this required his triumph over Satan. Amen. 
so again, like I said, I mean, in the opening, God, Jesus has been, you know, the, he's been my father in, in my lifetime, you know, um, he really has my, um, you know, I won't go into detail about my earthly father, but I'll just say he's not very present, uh, in my life, which, um, you know, I forgive him. I pray for him all the time, but you know, that's just the reality of the situation right now. Um, but regardless of that, the, um, the reality is he is so much, he, he's our everything, if you will, as you can see, his titles here are truly, um, encompassing of his entire character. And, you know, again, these are just words. These are things, these are what we can grasp as human beings, but I truly know, believe, and look forward to seeing him one day, be it in the air when he calls us up or, uh, when I enter heaven, you know, uh, due to my own passing, that I really look forward to seeing who this son of God truly is. Because we we have this, um, you know, when Jesus came to the earth, as we're going to look at in the Gospels, it wasn't the beginning of Christ's life. Christ left heaven, and again, he was God on earth, meaning he was, as it says here, he was, he's forever and he's omnipresent. He's, he's the omnipotent one, meaning even as he was here, he was God, which is just the, the mind blowing reality. He was the true one of one, if you will. Um, you know, uh, there, there was never one before like him, there was never been one since like him, and there will never be another one like him, because there's many false prophets out there, many false teachers that have claimed to be the Son of God or the Messiah, but Jesus Christ was the only one who died and resurrected. Huge difference, huge difference. Um, the resurrection and ascension up to heaven, witnessed by hundreds of people, that is something that no one else has ever done and is also recorded in history, unlike any other person, for good reason. You know, a lot of the world rejects Christianity. The, day, the days of Noah are all but here, you know. I mean, the darkness in the world is increasing, but the light will always be here until God decides that it's time to take away the light from the world and let them have the darkness that they truly want. But that period is going to be short-lived because it's going to be a quick downward spiral for the world when they truly get what they want. And, you know, they're pushing for it now, but by God's good grace and mercy, because ultimately he loves the world. That's why he gave his only begotten son, that he wants all to know him. But, you know, when people rebel and reject him, you know, there's only uh, that that period can only last for so long. So uh, the great other side of that coin, though, is as many, many do reject and, and just push him away. There are still people to this very day getting saved every day. So hundreds of people, I'm sure, if not thousands, believe it or not. So, you know, the spirit of God is still alive and at work in this world. And it's a great thing. And we're blessed so blessed to just be able to call upon the Lord and have him respond and answer. But 
what we're going to do now is look at a kingdom dynamics section on, again, these are just sections in my spirit-filled life, New King James Version Bible that kind of expand on what's being said in a particular passage. And this one relates directly to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is called Messiah's Becoming a Man, Messiah's Coming. In this scripture, we have one of the most beautifully poetic promises of the Messiah's coming reign. Yearly, we recite this verse and hear it sung as we celebrate Christmas. Yet this verse also contains a reference to one of the great incomprehensible truths in the Bible. The incarnation, a child is born, a son is given. God would become a man. A newborn baby would be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. We can accept that truth by faith, but we cannot fully grasp what it meant for the second person of the Godhead to shed his eternal state and put on flesh. But Paul tells us that he took the form of a servant and came as a man. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Amen. And that's from Philippians chapter 2 verses 7 and 9 is what that's referencing. But Again, the Lord, you know, we're going to flip up now to Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And we're just going to look at, you know, again, some of the accounts of the apostles and the writers of the gospels of Jesus. Jesus' entrance into the world. But, you know, this wasn't a, um, Jesus didn't, um, his life did not begin per se or necessarily um, when he was born into this world. He basically came from heaven down to this earth to fulfill the purposes of the father, which is a beautiful, amazing thing. And to save those who will call on his name. So let's look again at Luke chapter two, verse 11, where it says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. So, as we can see there, there's so much in that one verse. Again, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ, you know, the, the Messiah was was um, promised and looked forward to for uh, for thousands of years in the Jewish religion, and um, you know, unfortunately, a majority of the Jewish people actually. Um, rejected Christ when he did come the first time, because again, they expected him to come. See what they didn't understand, like it, like it talks about in Isaiah nine six of being uh, a, a government head, a, a ruler, a um, you know, uh, basically an overthrower of evil to establish a kingdom. If you look throughout the Old Testament, it, there's many references to what to the Messiah doing that, but. That's upon his second coming. What they missed was his first initial visit to this earth was to be, again, like I said in the opening, the Lamb of God. But when he returns, when his second, upon his second coming, he will be that Lion of Judah who will come, clear out the evil wickedness in this world, and establish his rule and reign. And that is when we will see his governance. We will see his amazing 
prosperity, peace, all those attributes that were listed, that they will be in full fruition for those that chose to simply love him and give their lives to him. It's an amazing plan. I mean, this entire book from Genesis to Revelation is the exposed, it exposes God's plan for this world, for human, for humanity. It, it all points to Jesus, the Messiah. Everything, everything points to Jesus. Everything points to the Lord. Everything. That's why when I say again, I look forward to seeing him for who he is in the supernatural realm. Because I think we're really going to be blown away. We have this understanding, this human understanding of who Jesus was. And we saw him and we can see his encounters. And as we're going to look at now, for example, in the Gospels and, and, you know, what's recorded of him in the Bible. But what we don't comprehend and fathom and won't until we're there is the reality of who he is in the supernatural realm and in eternity, as as it's called. So it's going to be an amazing experience. I'm not saying I do because as I'm, I'm in line waiting to see it myself, but wow. Well, I just know one thing I do can confidently say is it's going to completely blow our minds and our expectations as to what we were expecting compared to what we're going to encounter. I fully believe that. I mean, the Bible says, you know, it has not entered the mind or the hearts of those who love the Lord, what God has prepared for us, you know, and I, I truly, I don't take any of that lightly. I take it um, to, to, uh, to, to exactly how it said that it is going to blow our minds and we are going to be standing now. <laughs> I don't know how long we're going to be standing there with our mouths open agape and just, just kind of in awe, but who knows, you know, I mean, time disappears, I believe when you enter eternity. So who knows how long that takes, but I do believe it's going to be such a great, great experience to just say, wow, this is what that, those, this is what those words on that page meant that I read many times. You know, and um, it, it's just going to be, you know, there's so many things in life where we, um, you know, you might, you know, you, I'll, I'll use an example of, I guess, like going on a vacation, you know, you can read something, you can look at pictures, you, you can research it. These days, you can watch videos online about things, but it's not until you go and actually have the experience that you really appreciate certain things. And, um, I'm talking, and again, talking about, for example, a vacation, you know, some kind of dream, you know, whatever you might, some, whatever your, your ideal, um, perfect vacation would be. You can read about it, you can look at it, but until you experience it, that's when it all becomes real and alive. And, um, I truly believe that this is going to be the ultimate eye-opening realization of, um, you know, uh, just what, who God is when we get to that other side of eternity. It's going to be amazing. I already know it, but all right. So that was Luke chapter two, verse 11. Let's flip up to Matthew next. We're going to look at um, one verse in chapter one, verse 21, where it says, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus 
for he will save his people from their sins. Looking at the note for that verse, the name Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. So, you know, simply said, again, this is when an angel came and visited Mary and gave them and, and Joseph and gave them instruction on, um, actually, this is when, um, yeah, Joseph had a dream, essentially, and this is a instruction to call the Savior's name Jesus. But that last line, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, that's the difference between Jesus and just about any other false prophet out there that's ever called himself the Son of God. Jesus came and saved uh, to save us from our sins, to be our propitiation that he is called in the new testament that means our perfect substitute that means all the punishment we deserve for all of the evil things we've done in this world and all the offenses we've committed against god and his law and his holiness jesus took that upon himself that's the ultimate act of love in so many ways by God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to have that plan not only always in place, but also enacted and fulfilled in, the th in and through the Son of God. It's just an absolutely amazing thing. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's sad because sin is very real and when we become Christians, the chains and the bondage of sin is broken out of our life, but we still sin. We still stumble. We still have our issues. The problem is, especially in this world that we live in, a lot of people just want to say that um, there, there is no sin or they want to define, uh, they want to call things that are sinful. They want to redefine them as not sinful. When it comes down to it, I'm not going to get into detail, but what I'll say is there's going to be a, a moment of reconciliation upon which people will come to a realization of exactly how wicked their ways are or were at a point in time. And it's going to be quite an eye-opening experience for a lot of people that call themselves Christians, you see. People freak out these days about, um, I don't know, uh, people, again, I, I use that term, people that call themselves Christians, because there's a lot of false people out there these days. There's a lot of people that might um, grow up in a church, or they might grow up wanting to be this or that, but frankly, they're not called to what they want to be, yet they still go to a seminary, they still go to some Bible college or whatever, they come out and get a job in a church. And then they, you know, impose their, um, frankly, twisted views and try to incorporate that into the church or into Christianity. And then people, you know, Christians that actually have a biblical understanding freak out about it. But don't freak out about it. Yes, we have to defend the gospel and defend the Lord and defend this word. But I guess I, I guess my point more so would be don't be surprised by that because these people are wicked. They're, they're no different than anyone else. They're just infiltrators of the church. They, they do it. I don't know why, frankly. I don't know why they would want to associate with. I, I think a lot of people like the idea of a church and Christians because we are very welcome and open to, you know, embracing people. And, you know, they, they, they take our kindness for weakness. But, you know, a wise people will see through these people and, you know address it accordingly as we're called to do.
But at the end of the day, I guess my point in, in you mentioning that is, you know, because, uh, you know, there's articles that come out every year saying things get more wicked and more wicked in the world. This year in particular, there's a a church that um, uh, took some lyrics from a, a, a pretty religious Christmas song and turn, and just, you know, they, they, they modernize them to 2022's garbage, which um, it, it's not something that should surprise us because this is all prophesied and throughout the new testament the 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 falling away of the church you know the the liberalization of the church if you will you know the the worldliness entering the church and look the great thing about the reality of life and the reality of where god has put everything and everyone is we're all going to stand before him one-on-one okay and that's the great white throne judgment at a time. And at that time, everyone's going to have to answer for what they knew, what they did, what they were responsible for. Christians will be rewarded based upon what we did with the free gift of the gospel that was given to us. But those that chose to live in sin or read or, or go against God, essentially, then they're going to be judged upon those things. So while we should pray for them and pray for the world, we really shouldn't get bent out of shape and twisted, uh, you know, into a pretzel about a lot of this stuff. Because, again, they're all, everyone, you should have peace that God has made it and, and has already told us how this is all going to play out eventually. So don't <laughs> – there. it's really not worth your time, your – blood pressure or anything else to get, you know, too, too bent out of shape about certain things. This is all has to happen. And this stuff here is nothing compared to what's coming down the pike when it comes to the reality of the antichrist rise, the true persecution of the church that's going to come. I mean, it's, it's, it's here. It's on the cusp, you know, the, the pot's boiling and it's ready to boil over, but you know, that lid's shaking on top of that pot and it's ready to blow, but it's not there yet. But you better believe there's plenty of people in world government right now that are really looking to just completely silence true Christianity and the true church. And, you know, that's who knows how that plays out. But remember, it's we are called to just live by the word. We are called to just fulfill God's purpose for our life and whatever. So that means that means, but uh, anyway, let's get into, so that's my little, that's our look at, um, again, that was Matthew chapter one, verse 21. Let's look at Mark one, one now where it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, looking at the note for that verse, the gospel literally means good news, and is concerned with Jesus, who is identified by name and title. That word gospel is euangelion, euangelion. Compare evangel, evangelize, evangelistic. In ancient Greek, euangelion designated the reward given for bringing good news. Later, it came to mean the good news itself. In the New Testament, the word includes both the promise of salvation and its fulfillment by the life, death, 
resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Euangelion also designates the written narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I just wanted to look at that. I wanted to try to get something from each gospel to try to address, again, just some, some, Mark goes right into, um, <laughs> he goes right into John the Baptist and right into Jesus and just goes, he skips over a majority of Jesus's early life, which, you know, um, that was his prerogative. That's how he chose to write the gospel, but his gospel that is. But as we can see, we call them again, the gospels. And I wanted to look at that because it does address the word gospel. And I like how it just kind of it gives a background of it again that word in greek meaning the reward given for bringing good news and then the t the meaning shifted eventually to just being the good news and again the four gospels are the writers accounts of what they saw in jesus as as a man as as the god man who was here on earth and I've said it in the past, but my favorite gospel is probably the book of John. So we're going to end in the book of John right now because I just love John gives very detailed accounts of, of a lot of the spiritual side of Jesus and the spiritual lessons and the spiritual meaning behind who he was and is and is to come. But we're going to look first at John chapter one, verses one through five. And then we're going to finish up looking at a second passage in verses 14 through 18 of John 1. So finishing up again, this is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's look at the notes for that section, and we'll go from there. In the beginning, an allusion to Genesis 1-1 with the intention of linking Jesus, the Word, with the God of creation. The event of Jesus' incarnation, therefore, had cosmic significance. The Word is Jesus Christ, the eternal, ultimate expression of God. In the Old Testament, God spoke the world into existence. In the gospel, God spoke his final word through the living word, his son. The phrase, the word was God, attributes deity to the word without defining all the Godhead as the word. John declares that Jesus was the divine agent who was responsible for the entire creation. Life and light belong to John's fundamental vocabulary in describing the essence and mission of the incarnate word. So that is probably one of my favorite uh, passages in the entire Bible, because, again, it says so much. But again, just getting back to that point of just hammering down the fact that Jesus was not introduced into the world through Mary's womb for the first time he was he left heaven and he came down to the world to fulfill God's purpose when you really start to view that that chain of events 
it really alters your perspective and gives you greater understanding of who God is and who Jesus is, because that is the true reality of the situation and what happened. And he's up right now at the right hand of the father. So again, it's just an amazing, I love the way John just like it says in the note, when he opens with in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He's again, clarifying God, the father and the word, Jesus Christ, the son, two separate entities, yet two parts of the triune Godhead, the father, son, and Holy spirit. So, and he goes on to, I love the note where it says, The event of Jesus' incarnation, therefore, had cosmic significance. The word is Jesus Christ, the eternal, ultimate expression of God. In the Old Testament, God spoke the world into existence. In the gospel, God spoke his final word through the living word, his son. It's just, um, again, just displaying the fact that Jesus Christ, all things were made through him and by his word. He is the living word. Again, we can say these things, but that's where I go back to the fact that when we see him and understand this amazing God that is the creator of all that we know, then we're going to be able to have a little better understanding of exactly what this even means here. Because frankly, we can read it, our minds can kind of understand and comprehend it, but at the same time, we really can't comprehend who God is because I mean, there's a great mystery to that very reality of Jesus Christ, of who he is being the living word, the son of God being, you know, the, the son of God and God at the same time, you know, it's, um, again, it's hard to really wrap our minds around for good reason. Um, because God is eternal and I don't know if we'll ever, I, I can frankly say, I don't think we'll ever fully understand the complexity of that relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I really look forward to being present with him and serving him however we will in eternity and getting to just be part of that divine kingdom and governance under our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who was given the name above all names because he fulfilled everything that he was called to fulfill on this earth perfectly. I mean, that's another thing. If you think about it, he was always the son of God. He was always called to be and do exactly what God had called him to. And this was part of his, his role as, you know, as the son to be the lamb of God, but it's, It's like, well, why was he given the name above all names after his ascension? You know, like, like it just, it's something that I look forward to knowing, you know, it's funny how some people say you're going to have questions about, you know, events in the Bible and things like that. Why this, why that? Who knows? You may in heaven, but that's what I want to know. Like, what's up with that? Like, why was he given the name above all names then? Because frankly, he seems like he should have always had that. But what's like, how does that work? I I almost can't say the words that I want to say in my mind because I feel like it would almost be blasphemy or heretical. But at the same time, it's just a question. But 
I just want to know how, how does, what transpired, you know, I mean, what he was always, and he is always, and he is the son of God. Was he elevated to even a more different position after that? I mean, frankly, you know, I mean, there's the father, son, and Holy spirit. So how can that dynamic even shift? But somehow it did, it seems, it seems, but you know, I, I may do a study on that too. Who knows? Maybe I can really, um, maybe I can really dissect that someday and really just do a, a word study and get into some different translations and see if there's any clarification we can gain through going about it that way too. So, all right, we're going to finish up with John chapter one, verses 14 through 18. My spirit filled life, New King James Version Bible subtitles this section, the word becomes flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. All right, let's look at the note for that section. Dwelt literally means tabernacled. The analogy is that of the tabernacle in the wilderness when God pitched his tent among those of the Hebrews, and manifested his glory there. So Jesus identified himself with humanity by becoming flesh, and we beheld his glory. The fact that John states that grace comes from his fullness teaches that grace is more than God's disposition or impersonal favor. It is God meeting us at our point of need in the person of Jesus Christ, including all his power and provision. Only begotten does not denote Christ's earthly birth, but describes the unique loving relationship of the Son with the Father. Amen. So, again, this was going to be a brief episode. I hope I kept it brief enough, but that's going to conclude our look at that last passage of John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. But again, just wanted to quickly just go through um, that verse. We'll look at it one more time before we close up for the day. That's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. So I am going to go enjoy some time with my beautiful family. Again, I enjoyed some beautiful time with my beautiful bride-to-be last night and her family. And today it's going to be my beautiful children coming down to spend some time with me so I can, we can all go spend some time together with my family. Um, I hope you have some great times. I know not everybody has a big family, and I know sometimes people are alone on Christmas I've been there. Trust me. I know how it is. I know it's not always easy, but know this. With Christ, we're truly never alone. 
And I'll tell you, it's, I've had some of the greatest moments when I've just been alone with the Lord in his word, find some worship music, pray, get into his word. You'd be amazed how God will meet you at your lowest points in life and how he will bring you up and just show you who he is because he loves us all. He loves you. He came and died for us. I feel like before I, before we close up totally, I do want to read probably the most famous verse in the Bible, one of my favorite verses from one of my favorite conversations Jesus had on this earth when he was here, that's recorded anyway, when he's talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, and it's John 3.16. Remember this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For And I'll go on to 17 because it's still beautiful. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. That's what Christmas is all about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So until next time, again, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. God bless and have a great day.